1: Last episode, Ethan spoke to me about the typical problems associated with obtaining funds traditionally within your business versus Fundable's approach. And in this episode, we cover more nuanced examples and use cases where Fundable provides significant business advantages at any stage of a business life cycle that you happen to be in. Let's jump in. Okay, so we talked about smoothing cash flows. We've talked about uh, the uh, simplicity uh, and the flexibility of working with uh, Fundable. Um, just kind of expanding more on those kinds of use cases. Um, you know, I, I know you, with us, you're predominantly working with service-based businesses uh, and technology-based uh, businesses. Yes. Uh, but there are businesses that um, also have an aspect of their revenue that's associated with some kind of goods or uh, inventory. Um, what is What are some typical scenarios that you're seeing there that somebody who has... Um, you know, a material item of business that deals with um, inventory or
2: goods being sold. Um, how does Fundable help those types of scenarios? Yeah, absolutely. So um, we support a range of inventory-based businesses, consumer goods businesses, FMCG um, businesses. Um, generally, in those cases, how we're helping those clients are effectively to bridge the gap between having to fund upfront costs and Reaping or to meet client demand. So whether it's purchasing equipment upfront or inventory upfront or investment and in, um, business development efforts or purchasing materials in order to ideally bring as much product to market to then ideally meet client demand. And there's generally a timing gap between having to fund those upfront costs in order to yeah, ideally grow revenues and, and meet client demand. So those would be the scenarios where we're generally supporting those sort of businesses. And, I, and I, I'm, I might just sort of add to
1: those who are listening who um, have those types of businesses or operate in those types of um, um, business models. Um, quite often, scenarios can pop up where you have the opportunity to get a really good purchasing price uh, from a supplier as long as you purchase enough in advance. Now, your typical sales volumes don't cover it this month, but you might be able to bring forward uh, purchases of uh, inventory so that you attain that extra 5%, 10 15% margin um, because of your, your bulk p- purchasing power. But you have to sit on that stock for a period of time, knowing that you will sell it over the next three to six months. Um, but if you just sort of worked with your normal month-on-month turnover based on your revenue coming in, you're going to make 15% less or 10% less. So there's some really good maths kind of models here to think through on how to take advantage of having a, a partnership with, uh, with Thunderball, um, where you can exploit those types of opportunities. Um, and probably another thing that, um, comes to mind would be, uh, where you may have a customer that comes to you and is willing to purchase a large order from you, um, on the basis that they don't have to pay for it for a longer than normal trade terms scenario, so they might come to you and say, "Hey, we really we love your terms. We we love the price. We love the product. We love the the service. But um, we can only really do this if you give us ninety days to pay for it, as opposed to seven days or fourteen days." So it's another lever then for the business owner to sit there and say, "How can I take advantage of this deal?" um and uh and you know in my mind anyway fundable is a good fit for those types of things am i am i uh, on the right track there or have i run uh, mm-hmm. gone
2: off the uh, reservation yes. <laughs> <laughs> no it's a very good thought. um and absolutely we support a lot of businesses that would like to take advantage of an upfront discount in order to um ideally meet clients of mine not just in the in, in the consumer goods or inventory space but we do have clients that a software business or have a professional services business that would otherwise offer their clients an annual upfront discounts to incentivize them to pay yearly in advance or six monthly in advance. And um, rather than having to offer those sort of discounts, they could perhaps charge the month-to-month option or the pay-as-you-go option um, while still receiving that capital upfront through Fundable, but on much more attractive terms to the discount rate that they're currently incentivizing their clients to to pay them to be able to offer them that annual or six monthly upfront discounts.
1: Yeah. I, I really love thinking about solving business problems um with these types of funding arrangements in in that way because it it unlocks um it unlocks a tremendous opportunity for the business to um, absolutely not just take advantage of that deal, but also, you know, make above normal um, profits, which go towards obviously topping up working capital and Uh, rewarding the, you know, the shareholders of the business. Um, There are things like that where it's not just a matter of running the business on organic tempo. You know, this is the sales volumes that normally come in, but how else can we, how else can we take advantage of the opportunity that we've created here? And funding usually is the uh, key to unlocking those types of extraordinary uh, opportunities. As long as it's, Timely, cost-effective, relatively easy to put in place. If you have to wait 12 months to get money into the business, then
2: that 90-day deal is not going to work, you know. Yeah. Uh, the, the the opportunity's gone. It's it's flown away. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And 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 to that point, only, I mean, we've seen some clients um, talk about the, the the benefit of getting cash up front or, or cash being keen in a business. We, we've seen some clients offering their clients, offering their end users um 50, 60% annual upfront discounts or um significant discounts to be able to get that capital upfront because they know that they can use that capital and generate a much higher ROI. Um through us, we're able to help those businesses to get that capital upfront, but on much more attractive terms to the discount that they're already offering their clients to, to get that capital upfront. So, so absolutely cash is so plays a really pivotal role in helping a lot of businesses to to scale and much faster than they can do through and do so just through organic things.
1: Yeah, and and I I wouldn't be surprised if um if most people didn't didn't agree with this sort of uh, sentiment around it. But mostly when you start earlier in business, you do tend to just work off cash flow. And sort of you know I build out this much money. That's all I've got to work with, and that tends to then. Um, set out a a type of tempo or momentum in terms of how fast or slow you grow. Whereas if you have some additional um, firepower to put towards advertising, marketing, alliances, buying bulk so that you can offer a really attractive price to the market um, in order to build your exposure and awareness, uh, in the market, there's so many um, levers that can be pulled and tactics that can be deployed in the context of business by having that extra capital, um, knowing that you know your your predictions and assessments around the future of the business are basically going to pay for that capital off revenue, and so you know you're you're not really taking on big bets or big risks. You're just
2: able to do more now than you otherwise cut off your organic cash flows. Absolutely, so spot on Yanni. So our, our capital is best suited or works best with businesses that know exactly where they can allocate capital. They know that if they take capital upfront, they can go purchase that inventory or that stock or that equipment and they know that they'll be able to put it to market and generate a greater ROI or they know that they can hire that BDM or that sales guy or invest in that tech and they'll be able to increase revenues The value accretive from an equity perspective, they know exactly where that capital can be put towards and generate a a much greater return. That that's um, that's particularly important to us, obviously as a a finance provider, understanding where that capital is going towards and um, having a yeah that comfort level that our clients can use our funds for their value accretive at revenue generating purposes. Excellent, excellent. Well, look, okay, so we've we've talked a little bit about business generally
1: and funding requirements and the, I guess the, the value of being able to gain access to funding easily uh, on yep. terms that are you know good for you as a business that don't create too much time, cost or lost opportunity or um, perhaps require giving up a lot in order for the respective value of that funding that's coming in. Um, in our world generally, we have a lot of uh, health tech business operators, tech business operators and healthcare business owners. Um, and so um, I guess let's break those two apart. So business owners in healthcare, uh, more often than not, are higher professional services uh, revenue stream. And um, un- unless it's sort of in areas like musculoskeletal, um, disability supports, um, perhaps remote and itinerant uh, healthcare, the inventory side and the good side is a, is a smaller proportion. Um, So I want to focus on professional service businesses in the context of healthcare uh, businesses. What are you seeing are the uh, types of reasons for a professional services business to take advantage of uh, the relationship with Fundable? Um, And are they treated any similarly or differently to any other type of business?
2: Yes. So the the main reasons for a professional services business to come to Fundable would be to as I briefly mentioned, is to accelerate their business growth. Um, in the case of the healthcare care sector, it's generally to bring on more staff or purchasing equipment or inventory um, or some business development efforts, sales, marketing, in order to ideally grow the business. And so it'd be generally speaking for for growing purposes. Um, Also speaking, generally with a – professional services business it can be quite challenging to raise equity funds because they might not necessarily fit within the mold of the incredibly scalable tech business that can reach the moon so a lot of businesses that um yeah wouldn't otherwise fit within the equity molds are are coming to us to be able to raise funds so that they can can grow their business
1: yeah and um and I think a lot of people in professional services or consulting um, would connect with that because um, unfortunately professional services and consulting um, in some ways um, historically uh, have been referred to as only as good as the last month. Um, it's harder to assert a longer term you know, future uh, revenue stream unless you've got some kind of subscriptions in place or recurring revenue assured through the the very nature of your business model um and you know i'm sure that sort of you know consulting professional service type uh businesses have uh experienced those types of moments from time to time but it, it just because you're a professional service business doesn't mean that uh you've only got one month of revenue ahead of you that's not what i'm saying at all and it's not consistent with the facts but it's just when you look at bigger business um in the funding streams uh, such as the banks they they do have these um overlays of risk profiling uh, for various businesses and so it can sort of work a little bit again so so in your model you don't you don't discriminate between a professional service business or a inventory only type business or a hybrid inventory professional service type business you' you treat all your clients the same as long as they meet your minimum
2: thresholds and as long as they'll our thresholds correct so there's two absolute minimum requirements we need to be able to support a business one is that that Got an Australian entity with some revenues flowing into that entity. Um, the second absolute requirement is that the business has been generating at least twenty-five k a month for twelve months. Um, so they're the two absolute minimum requirements from from our perspective. In terms of do we discriminate between sectors? We we um, we just require that the business has some form of predictability to their revenue stream. Um, of course. Having some form of recurring nature definitely enhances our credits, um, but we, we 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 support a lot of businesses that just have a, they don't necessarily have recurring revenues, but they just have a predictability to their revenue stream. They are growing and they just need some additional funds to be able to accelerate that growth.
1: All right. Very good. All right. Now, I want to pick up on that uh, that word, that uh, non-dilution that came up earlier in the conversation, but I wanted to give it kind of a bit of time on its own. Um because uh, so many founders um, end up confronting some organisation who wants equity uh, within their uh, within their startup or growing company, and um, and it's uh, it's a big decision. Um, so perhaps in your words, describe what you mean by non dilution um, and what typical contexts. Are uh, your clients confronted with having to make that decision um, and, and how does fundable work to uh, help them uh, potentially not have to make that decision?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So um, so what is dilution or what is non-dilution for those listening that might not have heard the terms? Effectively, um, dilution means um, a, a form of finance in which you're giving up a percentage of or an amount of ownership in your business. So when you uh, start a business, you will have or or have join a business, you will have some form of ownership within the business. And um, if you go through an equity round or a venture debt or other forms of financing, there might be some equity components, which is dilutive capital, which results in you handing a portion of your a, a portion of your business to to um to your funder. Um, to your capital partner so um, in terms of when clients come to us um, so there's um, to mention there's absolutely no there's a lot of benefits when it comes to equity um, maybe just to put that in the onsets. and we definitely don't see ourselves as a um, we see ourselves very much as a, a complementary or a adjunct to equity there's a lot of benefits to capital providers particularly if you were looking for very patient capital or if you're looking for if, if you would like a very strategic investor perhaps open some doors or to provide financial guidance or operational guidance there's a there comes a lot of benefits there are a lot of benefits to equity funding and um there are a lot of businesses that are better suited towards equity funding than perhaps that funding they are looking to raise significant amounts of capital or are looking for a very strategic investor come on board um but there's there's definitely more than one way to construct your Capital stack, and um, perhaps founders or business owners might not necessarily be the most naturally skilled capital allocators. And it's important to understand the various alternative funding options available to your business. Um, that might perhaps be more optimal or effective or um, efficient than the 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 than the all equity model. There's more than one way to see. Um, Yeah, There's more than one way to fund your business and a lot of businesses are using us as either a way to bridge towards an equity raise to ideally hit milestones and then look to raise an equity raise down the line but on much more attractive terms because they've increased revenues, they've improved their performance, they've um, um, they've improved their uh, profitability, etc. And a lot of clients have also used us as a complementary to an equity raise just given the non-identity components to our funding. Um, but there are absolutely a lot of businesses that have used us to be able to not raise equity and just continue along their journey and not need to go through the process of speaking to equity capital providers, which, as you touched on, Yanni, is, can be incredibly defocusing, very timely, and very costly for a lot of businesses. Um, so summarize, there are definitely a lot of benefits to, to equity, um, and we definitely don't see ourselves as a – Complete alternative to equity, rather as a complementary or an adjunct to to equity raises. Um, But it's most important that founders understand the various characteristics, both the benefits and the flaws of all of the various funding options. And um, if they might not necessarily be the most naturally skilled capital allocators, and they might be a very product heavy, might be a very technical co founder or business owner, and they might not understand what's involved with all of the various funding options. It's there's a lot of resources out there and I'm um, definitely suggest speaking to also other capital providers to understand or or financial experts to understand what might be best because there's definitely more what more than one way to <laughs> raise funds to grow your business. Um, it doesn't necessarily be the all equity model. And with that, um and to briefly digress is, um one one important thing to to um understand is the expectation of your various capital providers. Um so taking on equity capital um, obviously comes with the expectation that the business must hit quite significant revenue growth and and, and business milestones in order to keep your capital providers excited. Um, and that might not be for you or it might not be for your business. Um, generating 100% revenue growth plus might not be best suited towards your business and it might not be best suited for well, you personally as well. So it's also understanding the expectations of what your capital providers are looking for. From us at Fundable, obviously our hurdle rate of return is, would, is significantly lower to, to equity. Um, generally speaking, we require that a business is um, growing month on month, perhaps 2% month on month, um, around that sort of mark, um, at least growing. So um, from an expectations level, that's also one very, yeah. That, that's one consideration that a business owner should be looking at.
1: Yeah, and I, I think I'd, I'd probably add to it as well that, um, um, well, firstly, I 100% agree with you that um, if this is not about sort of saying one option is superior to the other. Um, but as a, as a founder growing your business, you'll have to think about how you're going to get access to the resources you need in order to deliver on your value proposition to your customers at a given point in time and to create awareness and reach and all the rest of it. So um, choosing the right tool for the job, I think, is where I was aiming the question. So it's more about the the idea of dilution is that, well, firstly, a, I think, Ethan, what you're saying is that Fundable is not asking uh, the customer to give up any equity or to secure any of its equity in order to obtain funding from Fundable. So it's purely the business performance itself that will provide for a, um, uh, uh, an amount that is agreeable to be given to that business. Um, but what, what I want to tap into is I guess the, the idea of the, uh, the tech entrepreneur or perhaps the larger healthcare business that is growing you know, quite fast but it's perhaps not quite there yet um, but they can see it in the future. They can see they're two, three years away, maybe four years away from really where they see the potential of this business. Uh, being realized. And um, if you go down the path of equity raising, you're not just getting money, you're getting a whole bunch of terms and conditions that impact the decisions you're making inside the business, the type of staffing you're hiring, uh, the type of roles, the timing of those events. You're going to have somebody on your shoulder all day, every day who wants to know what you're doing, why you're doing it. Is there another way yeah, and so there's a lot of other let's call it costs that come into it, and you might be prepared to to wear those costs, and that's without taking into consideration that if you say, "Look, I'm willing to give up or trade, you know, thirty percent of my business in return for uh, the money today," well, your business today might be worth um, two, three, four times less. Than what it might be worth in five years' time, at which point the actual cost of obtaining that funding is exponentially higher than working with fundable or having an um, interest bearing uh, type uh, funding arrangement in place. And so, you know, I really wanted to flesh it out because when non dilution, it sounds like a really simple word, but there's so much important information in understanding when do you dilute. When don't you dilute? And perhaps you don't want to dilute, but you feel like you haven't got a choice. At which point, I think Thunderbolt being part of the the arrows in the quiver, part of the options, a tool to reach for, that's a really important value proposition, Ethan, to sort of get across to to the listeners around. Be careful of the true total cost of funding, um, and try and you know, particularly when you when you're not at that future point in time. There's a lot of value in your ability to control your destiny. As
2: well through that period of time, what do, what do you say to that? That's very well summarized. I love the analogy that the total cost of funding. Absolutely, it's not just the the, the potential equity upside foregone. Um, it's there's a lot more to it. It's as you mentioned the various other elements that come with taking on another capital partner. Call it a, it's a it's a business marriage. <laughs> um, you're bringing someone into your business. So um, if you're someone that yeah, want to just run your own race and don't necessarily want to be at the be at the hands of your investors or those within the business. Then, um, yeah, there's a lot more. Um, call it intangible costs, <laughs> um, okay. as well as obviously um the the cost of it. And and you made a really great example, Yanni, in terms of the the intrinsic value from taking on perhaps equity dilution. If you were to take on equity dilution at a later point in time. Because if you were able to prolong the need to raise funding at a point in which your business was worth only a, a portion of what it could be worth, if you can see down the line in a year or two that if you just hit those milestones or if you just grew revenues by another 50% or even 10, 20% um, of revenues, the the multiple or the attractiveness of your company is so much larger than the, the, than the nominal cost of the dollars to being able to have that to buy that opportunity to be able to raise that at a later point in time, um, it's 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 ex it's exponentially um, yeah much more lucrative.
1: 100 percent. And and even even here's here's another scenario. Uh, this is sort of a uh, a recent example with um uh, with a uh, mentee that I, I work with. Um, you could and usually as you're growing in the early stages of your business or at a fast growing stage of your business, when you do go out for equity, all that money needs to come into the business in order to be invested in your growth strategies, right? So here's an alternative to that. You work with Fundable, so you cover your operational requirements that are needed in the business. But in three to five years time, you take from the equity community, from the venture capital community, you take an equivalent amount of money that doesn't need to go in the business now because the business has scaled up Right, And it's delivering good top-line performance, good bottom-line performance. And you trade less of your equity, but as shareholders, you remove some of that that money now out of the value that you've created within the equity pool. So in other words, you can work with capital or you can work with venture capital um, in an area to actually realize the value that's now being stored in the equity of your business, in the in the shareholding of your business. And 100% of that money doesn't necessarily need to come into the operational business so the shareholders can actually take some of that money off the table. That's kind of a vernacular that's used in the industry. It's like get some money off the table. That rewards you for that last 10, 15 years of pain and suffering. You still got more equity in the business. You have still got future. You're still working and you're still passionate about it. But you've you've been able to secure the the shareholders to some extent after all that long standing pain and suffering that can happen in uh, in growing a business. So I think that's important important part of um, dilution, non dilution is thinking about the tactics from a shareholder's standpoint because funding isn't necessarily always about inside the business. It's also about ultimately what
2: comes out. Absolutely. No, that's very well um, spot on. I I think it's – I'm just looking at it from the point of view of uh, um, a
1: person who's been in business for a long time and has uh, interacted with a lot of different scenarios and stakeholders.
2: Various, yeah, business owners and founders and – Honestly, um, yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, thanks, Ethan. Um but one one last uh question, I guess, before I let you go today is uh the future. Um, we like to think about how healthcare is going to be reimagined down the track and um you know, funding is critical. Um, cash and cash flow, uh the lifeblood uh of uh, businesses. Uh I mean people run businesses, but they they expect to be paid and what have you? So, um, you know, a tax office needs its cut. Um, everybody's everybody's needing to to see some cash in some form. Um, but how do you see funding? Do you, have, do you have some interesting stuff brewing behind the scenes that is going to emerge in the future, or or in your vision board? Do you see the opportunity for funding evolving? Um, and I, I guess in the context of the health tech and health care businesses that um, we talk to. What's That's, what's
2: what's happening in the future as far as fundable and uh, and funding is concerned? Absolutely. So, um, yeah, we've got very high growth aspirations, um, and uh, being effectively at the coal face of the SME ecosystem, we understand a lot of the needs and wants of of business owners, and a lot of which are in the health health care, health tech space. Um, for us, it's seeing how else we can support the ecosystem alongside the, the funding offering that we currently provide. Um, so whether it be manufacturing new products or other value-add needs, we're, we're, we're absolutely looking at a lot of various other ways that we can potentially support the ecosystem We're a team that are very passionate about supporting businesses. And, uh, yeah, without being able to share too much, we're absolutely looking at um a lot of ways, and we've got very high growth aspirations to be able to, continue to support businesses and um, help businesses to grow.
1: Excellent. And uh, as far as a product vision board, there's uh, nothing you're willing to share at this point around other products that might be emerging down the road. I wouldn't be, yeah, not at this point, uh, but
2: yeah, maybe for another episode.
1: (laughs) All right. Very good. All right. Ethan, thank you uh, so much. Congratulations on uh, the journey uh, to date. Um, Looking forward to continuing to to work with you and see the uh, the opportunities unfold. Um, appreciate your time this morning and um, um, hopefully the uh, listeners and the audience will understand that there's another really interesting option on the table as far as their funding uh, requirements are concerned. It's a critical pain point in a lot of businesses, doesn't matter, early stage, growth, maturity, startup, it doesn't matter which, which phase of a business life you're in. Uh, managing your funding and and uh, uh, planning around your cash flows is uh, absolutely core cool business uh so um yeah I I think you're gonna do really well um in the space it's a it's a really good offering from what I can tell and uh looking forward to hearing more about it
2: thanks so much Shani. thanks for having me it was a yeah a lot of fun if any of the listeners would like to get in touch with me personally my emails ethan at fundable.com. um yeah it was really great to really great to be here Brilliant. Thanks, Ethan.
0: Thanks for listening. This podcast is produced in collaboration with Health Tech X, where we are working toward a world of integrated digital health empowerment for all people. If you'd like more info on how to get involved, head over to the website healthtechx.com.au. Or if you have any feedback about the show, you can reach out to me directly on LinkedIn. Instagram, or email by following the links in this episode's show notes. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to Reimagining Healthcare in your podcast app. And if you like what you heard, leave us a five-star review. It really helps other people find the show. I'm your host, Yanni Sopanos, and I'll speak to you in our next episode.